Welcome to Into Security, Info Security Magazine's monthly podcast, bringing you news highlights and topical debate. Hello and welcome to the January edition of the Into Security podcast. I'm your host, Eleanor Dalloway, Editorial Director at Info Security Magazine. And joining me today are our Deputy Editor, Benjamin David, and our reporter, James Coker. So thanks, as always, for being on the podcast. How are you guys? Very well, thank you. Yeah, likewise, getting back into the flow of things in the new year, which is always quite hard. It is. is. People keep saying Happy New Year still, and we're on day 19 of January. And uh, I feel like we're we're too far into the year to still be saying Happy New Year now, which is why I've purposely not done that at the beginning of this podcast. But we do hope you all had a great Christmas break, of course. Um, And we're happy to be back with you today. So the beginning of the year is a predictive time for cybersecurity, with many articles and webinars focusing on the likely trends of the year to come. Can you hear my eyes rolling? If so, it's because we get a lot of predictions. Uh, That's why. Are they useful um, or are they as useful as a chocolate teapot? I wouldn't dare say, and I will let you make your own minds up. But on that basis, we thought we'd do something a little bit different here on the Into Security podcast. Instead, today we're going to be focusing on cybersecurity's image, or should we more accurately say image problem? Most people will be familiar with the overused stock images plastered wall to wall in the industry. Hoodies, padlocks, binary code, robots. I'm sure this all sounds very familiar. I actually banned hoodies, uh, the images of hoodies from appearing on the Info Security website many years ago. There's also the common rhetoric in the industry, cyber attack, defense in depth, red and blue teaming, weaponization, kill chains, and many, many more. Despite these images and rhetoric being so common in the industry, many are rightfully beginning to ask, are they actually beneficial to cybersecurity? And we do have a feature coming up in the Q1 issue, actually, which focuses particularly on this subject. Today's podcast, um, we're very excited to announce, has an exclusive interview with Dr. Victoria Baines on this topic. She's a research fellow at Bournemouth University, also an author and speaker. And Victoria explores cybersecurity's image problem and why the current imagery and rhetoric actually disempower people in the industry. We talked to her today about what the industry can do to recover from this image problem. Before we kick off with the news, let me say a big old thank you to our episode sponsor, HP Wolf's Security. Endpoint Security is designed to protect every device in your fleet, wherever it may be. These days, that can be a lot of different places. Find out how HP Wolf Security uses emerging strategies like application isolation, along with a zero trust approach and framework to give you a powerful, manageable, usable solution to your growing and increasingly spread out security challenges. Learn how HP Wolf Security can make a difference across your endpoints at hp.com slash wolf. We also recently collaborated with HP on an article on tackling the cyber skills shortfall written by James Coker. It's a really great practical review of the situation we find ourselves in and ideas for narrowing that gap. Check that article out in the news feature section on our website 
infosecurity-magazine.com slash news hyphen features. Let's kick off, as always, with a roundup of some of the most significant information security news stories that we've recently reported on. Um, first up, over to you, JC, and I think you're going to take us to news about Russia. Indeed, yeah, and some uh, quite positive news, actually, in, in that Russian authorities appear to have ended the criminal activities of the notorious R-Evil ransomware gang and placed its members under arrest. Uh, so this apparently followed an action coordinated by the Federal Security Service of the Russian Federation, or FSB for short, in cooperation with the Investigation Department of the Ministry of Internal Affairs of Russia. And this took place in the cities of Moscow, St. Petersburg and Lipets. I hope I've said that right. And this involved searches being carried out at residential addresses associated with 14 of the, the gang members. So during the operation, the Russian authorities were able to seize computer equipment, money and vehicles purchased with the proceeds of crime from, from this group. The FSB also said members of the ransomware gang had been detained and charged with the illegal circulation of means of payment. And Russia added that this blow against our evil was was dealt in answer to an appeal by the United States and that the US authorities had uh, been informed about the results of the operation. So it's obviously brilliant news that a cybercrime gang as prolific as our evil, and I'm sure as our listeners would have would have read a lot of stories that we've covered about attacks by this gang in, in over recent years. Um, so it's been great that they've been stopped in their tracks. And on the face of it, it's brilliant that Russia also appears to be taking action against these types of threat actors, particularly given the the association between the Russian state and and cybercrime and the amount of high profile cyber groups that are believed to be operating in Russia. Um, although saying that a lot of security experts believe there could be other factors why Russia has decided to take this action rather than trying to help the West and, and the US. Um, so part of that might be kind of uh, political to help diffuse tensions with with America and, and the other Western nations in respect of their their ongoing um, dispute, shall we say, with with Ukraine, which obviously we hope doesn't doesn't turn any uglier. Um, but nevertheless, a very interesting development. And it'll be really interesting to see if we'll see more cooperation by Russian authorities in, in cracking down on ransomware gangs or cybercrime gangs in general going forward. I'll now pass over to Ben um, and we'll stick with the one of our favourite themes of ransomware. Uh, yes, ransomware. When would it ever end? So this is the story of thousands of US public sector uh, ransomware victims in 2021. Now, approximately 2,323 local government schools and healthcare providers in the US were hit by ransomware in 2021. That's according to MCSoft. I hope I pronounced that correctly. So the security vendor reported in its latest research that healthcare providers, that's 1,203, were the most affected by such attacks, followed by schools, 1,043, and lastly, state and municipal governments and agencies at 77. However, only 118 of the 2,323 attacks listed resulted in data breaches. Even though the number of ransomware compromises is high, the numbers are actually optimistic, claimed MCSoft. For example, 113 uh, government bodies were hit in both 2019 and 2020, 
while the number of schools impacted in 2020 was a much higher 1,681. Additionally, in 2020, more healthcare providers were targeted as 80 versus 68 in 2021, but fewer sites were impacted, 560. Now, according to the vendor, the numbers quoted are what's called minimums, since not all incidents from 2021 were disclosed, while others were not labelled ransomware. The report didn't include supply chain attacks either. Another positive, though, is that threat actors appear to no longer be acting with impunity. Now, ransomware payments have been recovered, gangs have been disrupted, and arrests have been made. Perhaps most significantly, Russia arrested multiple members of R-Evil, one of the most active operations in January 2022, at the request of the US, possibly indicating that the country may now be less of a safe haven for cyber criminals, it concluded. Now, handing over to Eleanor now for our third story of the day. Thank you. A nice double dose of Russia and R-Evil there. I do love the approximately 2,323 local government schools and healthcare providers in the US were hit by ransomware. It's a very specific approximate number. Um, I'm glad I muted my mic because I did have a little bit of a laugh at that. Anyway, this one is a bit of a tearjerker. If you're anything like me and you get super sad about romance, scams and frauds, this is a horrible story. So London-based Nigerian romance scammer operating under the name Tony Eden has just been jailed for over two years for targeting almost 700 women. His name is Osagi Igbonohan. Um, Again, hopefully I pronounced that right. Um, He pleaded guilty to fraud and money laundering. He's thought to have received an estimated £20,000 from multiple scans. And he manipulated the various victims with stories such as having to pay for funerals of several people who died in a machinery accident, as is sort of frequently the case with romance scams, just really tugging on the heartstrings of the victims. So last week, Action Fraud claimed that romance fraudsters conned victims of out up to £92 million between November 2020 and October 2021. Now, we're currently right in the middle of the high danger zone, as according to police, the period between Christmas Day and Valentine's Day is the most dangerous for romance scams. Like I said, just totally heartbreaking. But at least we do have um, an arrest made and a sentence served. Finally, um, James, I think we're back to you with our final news story. Yeah, thank you very much, Eleanor. Um, So I wanted to finish by discussing a new initiative by the UK police, which is designed to persuade younger people not to get involved in cybercrime. And this came as as the police uh, brought out new figures suggesting that children as young as nine have launched DDoS attacks in the past, uh, which is obviously very concerning. This came as the the UK's National Crime Agency said data from its National Crime, sorry, its National Cyber Crime Unit revealed a 107% increase in reports from the police cyber prevent network of students deploying DDoS attacks from 2019 to 2020. The median age for referrals to the NCCU's prevent team is reportedly 15, but some offenders were as young as nine. So in this new initiative, the NCAA has teamed up with Schools Broadband, which is part of the ISP of the 
Talk Straight group on a new education campaign. It said that students searching for specific terms associated with DDoS and other cyber crimes would be shown a warning message and suggested redirection to the Cyber Choices website. And so the aim of this is to educate young people about the Computer Misuse Act in the UK and, and the general consequences of, of cyber crime. A trial scheme is said to have significantly reduced searches for terms such as stressor and booter, which are associated with DDoS. Uh, and this scheme will now be rolled out nationwide to over 2,000 primary and secondary schools. So let's hope this, this initiative and others like it can help persuade youngsters who perhaps are interested in computers and have got some skills in that regard to channel their energy away from potentially a life of cybercrime and, and nefarious activities and perhaps even consider uh, launching a career in cybersecurity and uh, helping reduce the much the much spoke about skills gap in the sector. Yeah, totally. I think there's a real fine line between being a fantastic cyber criminal and a fantastic infosec professional in terms of skills and capability anyway. Uh, I've interviewed many White Hats over the years who recall a crossroad in their past when they could have gone either way and use those skills for either good or bad. So I think this is a fantastic initiative and it's a good one to end on. Okay, thanks for that, guys. Um, now let's return to the topic of cybersecurity's image problem, which is the theme for this podcast. Benjamin, you had the opportunity to sit down with Dr. Victoria Baines on this, didn't you? I sure did. And of course, we didn't shy away from ways to improve the industry here at Info Security Magazine. That partly explains why I was really excited to sit down with Dr. Victoria Baines, someone who has written a whole book dedicated to cybersecurity's image problem. Now, as you will hear, Victoria Baines argues that the cybersecurity industry makes people feel disempowered. Yet, not all hope is lost, since we can remodel cybersecurity for the better. Okay, so thank you for joining me today, uh, Dr. Victoria Baines. Um, for those who don't know, you are a research fellow at Bournemouth University, speaker and author of the great book, Rhetoric of Insecurity, the Language of Danger, Fear and Safety in National and International Contexts. Thank you for joining me. Thanks, Benjamin. It's a pleasure to be here. Fantastic. Um, so as you know, we are going to be focusing on cybersecurity's image problem, now, I want to ask you, you can tell our, our listeners, what are the dominant images and rhetoric that you see represent cybersecurity? Well, I spent the last few years looking at cybersecurity rhetoric, so the messaging and communications, um, and I thought it was only fair to look at different sectors and, and different stakeholders' communications. So I looked at government communications, particularly law enforcement, because that was my background as a, a cybercrime analyst, um, looking at the industry, so what vendors are saying about cyber threats, and also looking at, of course, criminals and how they talk about cyber threats. and and. So one of the things that really surprised me that I found uh, in, in the book um, was that they all use very, very similar techniques. So it's about ramping up the scale and the fear of the threat. So hyperbole, you know, kind of amplification, um, but also the sense of urgency. So getting someone to do something right now 
to click on a link, to pay the Bitcoin, to buy the product, right? Um, and that is accompanied by, uh, you know, visual rhetoric as well. So when we think about the faceless hacker in the hoodie suffused with blue light, with, you know, cascading numbers and cascading binary behind them, that is a very alienating image for most ordinary people. And I think, you know, one of the things that we forget if we've worked in cyber and info security for a long time, we're so used to this, we're kind of inured to it, we're desensitized. But those images are designed precisely to sensitize the target market to do a certain thing, to convert to action. So we've got that faceless hacker in the hoodie image. We've got lots of military imagery, and that is entirely understandable. Of course it is, um, because a lot of military veterans work in cyber. Cybersecurity comes out of, to a certain extent, military and law enforcement sectors. And I'm a, a living, breathing example of that as someone who was ex-law enforcement and, and now works in cybersecurity in various guises. But, you know, most people don't go to war. You know, we, we don't have conscription in most countries now. And so, you know, when you talk about, um, I, I'll use one uh, anonymized example, but when a cybersecurity vendor talks about um, doing hand-to-hand -hand combat with a particular piece of malware, that is something that is remote from ordinary people's experience. What are the, the major problems associated with these images and rhetoric? In terms of the problems, so I've, I've touched on the fact that it's alienating. Now, what is the real impact of that? The real impact of that is that if you're an ordinary person, and ordinary people include CISOs too, um, include board members, you know, non-execs who might be reading the news and, you know, reading press releases. Um, in, in a very direct sense, it makes you feel powerless. It doesn't equip you with information on what you can do to protect yourself and your community. All it does is give you the short term solution of buying a thing or clicking a link. It doesn't actually directly improve levels of safety and security. So in a sense, by chasing that short term solution, all we're doing is bringing a short-term feeling of safety and security, not actually improving um, that level. But I also think there's a knock-on effect here because I look at um, burnouts in InfoSec and security operations, and we know that we have a recruitment crisis and we know that we have a retention crisis. And by being so exclusive about the imagery that we use, when we're being so butch about it and saying, hey, you're going to be doing hand-to-hand -hand combat or you're going to be a defender of the digital universe, which was one of my other favorite phrases. You know, you're going to be a superhero because only superheroes can fight cyber threats. You're excluding a ton of people from working in the industry that don't feel that they conform to that kind of image. You know, it's all very Guardians of the Galaxy. It's all very Star Wars. We talk about the dark side of the internet and most people, let's face it, face it, are going to think of Lord Vader. You know, this is stuff that doesn't feel real and also feels beyond their scope. And so I would like to see a more inclusive approach to this where we think, well, does this actually work in protecting people and empowering people to protect themselves beyond the initial value proposition of buying a thing? And can we entertain different ways of doing this?
with these images and the rhetoric being so dominant, I'm guessing finding a, a solution might be a challenge. Um, but in your book, you explore that very topic. So from your perspective, how can cybersecurity fix its image problem? I think we need a stock take. We need to we need more monitoring and evaluation, right? I would say that as a boring qualitative kind of social science researcher, but you know, we have thrown millions and billions behind online safety campaigns, cybersecurity, you know, product developments. Um, and very rarely do we stop and go, well, does it work? Did we see greater protection from cyber threats because people bought this thing or saw this campaign? And um, we just keep churning it out. And so I think, firstly, I think it's time for a stock take. Stop, you know, evaluate, does this work um, beyond just buying a thing? And equally, just being a bit more open to entertaining the possibility that there are different ways of doing things. So some of the most promising things that I have seen is using humour. Um, so another um, vendor who I shall not name because I don't necessarily endorse their product, but, you know, they, they have a TV ad out in the UK right now where they are staging a comedy intervention, you know, in a, in a, in a group therapy session where they all address the Internet and they tell them what they're unhappy with. So we've brought you here today to stage an intervention. You know, it's still as memorable. And, and we're not kind of turning cyber threats into something that's so frivolous that we don't need to worry about it. They're still encouraging you to buy a thing. Um, but it's something that's more immediate, that we can relate to a bit more, that's not full of technical jargon. And that isn't designed to just purely scare the hell out of us. And, and in the book, I also talk about a Disney movie, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Again, I'm not endorsing that you go and see this movie above other movies, but they do exactly that. They use humour. It's still scary. It's still sensitising. It's still action based. But really breaking down, you know, what the quote unquote dark web looks like in terms of a really slimy world that you go down into. But it's funny. And so, you know, making people laugh also encourages them to remember the message and I would love to see more humour. That's fantastic. Uh, Dr Victoria Baines, thank you for joining us. Thanks Benjamin, a pleasure. I had the pleasure of actually listening to Victoria discuss this this very topic um, when I attended the IrisCon conference in Dublin uh, last November. So it's great to, to see Benjamin sort of exploring it further um, in, in this call. And, and obviously, Victoria is a, a great person to listen to on, on this area. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really fascinating area, actually. And it kind of plays into a lot of things that we write about a lot in terms of the cyber skills gap. It sort of goes maybe some way to answering um, why we have such a problem marketing our industry as a desirable career path or vocation and also when we talk about diversity and trying to encourage a more diverse workforce perhaps there's something more in this cybersecurity image problem um, that contributes towards that discussion as well but for more information on that topic and for a deeper dive and analysis into it make sure you check out the q1 issue of info security magazine and benjamin's feature on the subject so sadly, that is all we've got time for in this month's episode of the Into Security podcast. Again, a huge thank you to our sponsor, HP Wolf Security. Endpoint Security is designed to protect every device in your fleet, wherever it may be. 
And these days, that can be a lot of different places. Find out how HP Wolf Security uses emerging strategies like application isolation, along with a zero trust approach and framework to give you a powerful, manageable, usable solution to your growing and increasingly spread out security challenges. Learn how HP Wolf Security can make a difference across your endpoints at hp.com wolf. I really do hope you've all enjoyed listening today. We'll be back next month with another instalment on another theme. Hopefully, I can also tempt you with Into Security Chat's December episode with Dr. Jessica Barker. She explores her most memorable awareness campaign, the realities of writing a book, and the biggest mistake an organization can make when running InfoSec awareness campaigns. Equally tempting, I'm sure, is our upcoming chats episode with one of the nicest men in the info security industry, Brian Honan, and that will be coming out next week. So keep an eye out for that. Until then, thanks again for listening. I've been Eleanor. I've been James. And I've been Benjamin. Thanks for listening to Into Security. For in-depth interviews with the industry's finest minds, check out our sister podcast, Into Security Chats. Join us again next month. Until then, stay safe and keep up to date with everything you need to know about information security via the infosecurity-magazine.com website. Thank you.